Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Collective podcast. Uh, Will is with me again. Um, we're looking forward to another week, looking at, uh, looking forward to the season, get that week closer now. Um, and yeah, later on, we're going to be revealing our next four uh, teams in our predicted league and having a bit of a debate because we, we haven't really agreed. Last year, we kind of agreed on everything. And this year we have butted heads on a few things. So we have that coming up. Um, but Will, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, very well, mate. As you said, looking forward to the season to, to start. Getting a little bit excited now, but I think all of the Worcester news floating about at the moment is putting a little bit of a damper on things. Um, but yeah, most of all, I just want to get back to seeing some uh, some weekly rugby, I think. Well, there's a few pre-season games now, so um, kicking in. So people are getting back to towards games. Are you going this Friday? Is Friday the first one? Yeah, we'll be going on Friday um, to watch, uh, the, which game is it? It's Gloucester versus Cardiff on Friday. And then I will be going to watch the Billy 12 Trees testimonial on the Saturday as well. Um, some great causes there uh, and it'll be a good uh, good experience to, to go out. Um, on pre-season, just to start off with a little bit of a, a negative, did you see that, uh, that Newcastle player on his debut? No. He had two involvements in the match. His first one was a yellow card for taking someone in the air. And then his second one was a second yellow for a, a shoulder charge, putting someone into touch. So he had two involvements in the game and got a red card in his debut. Um, I do. Is that, that a young... to Falcons. Yeah, is that a young lad coming through or is it? A... I think it is the Fijian guy that they've signed, um, the Fijian winger. It might have come from the army, I want to say. But that I, think be, right. I think you're yeah. right. I don't want to confirm. I don't want to dob someone in it if it wasn't there. Is he the one from the sevens, I think? Quite possibly, yeah. Quite possibly. But not a dream debut, that's for sure. Um, but the only way's up, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can't really go wrong from there. Um, some other bits of news. Obviously, we, we spoke about it last week, but Zach Mercer has been confirmed, um, as was suspected. Um, so he's going to Gloucester next season, which is obviously a massive signing of intent, I think, more than anything else. Um, I, I know me and you have kind of been disagreeing whether how much that will potentially um, improve them or whether they should have spent the money elsewhere. But it's definitely in, in, a move of intent, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. What statement signing from, from Gloucester there? Uh, a load of the question marks now come in on who's going, who's staying, what's the, the pack going to look like, is Tua Sui going to go into the second row? Um, a lot of questions that are going to be uh, asked over the, the season, um, but no, a huge statement of intent. And I can finally stop talking in codes on the podcast now about maybe this person said this and maybe I've heard, heard this, it's done, it's signed, it's, it's confirmed by the club. So yeah, we know it's uh, 100% happening now, which is uh, good news, I think. I'll tell you what, though, one of the announcement videos did confuse me. So they put up a load of quotes. And the first quote that showed up was, he's in the uh, he's in great form or something like that. I'm like, yeah, but any player could be in great form. They might be a crap player, but they could be in good form at that point. Uh, it's a weird quote for the first quote on the video to be. True. No, I agree. And in off-season off as well. Yeah. <laughs> great form in training. <laughs> yeah. But no, brilliant signing. Um, and very looking forward to watching him more because I obviously don't watch much French rugby, either of us. Um, so saw him oh, in the Champions yourself. Cup. Saw him in the Champions Cup. He was brilliant for Montpellier. So happy to see him in the Prem. Yeah, hundred percent. I think I think his um, versatility is going to be what what pays pays the club back. I think when you look at he can play what six, seven, eight. I think he can play row as well. Um, powerful, agile, great set of. Uh, 
uh, a great skill set on him. So, no, I think it's a great move. Yeah. And uh, talking of powerful, agile, um, Tommy Freeman has announced that he signed this week for Northampton Saints, the new deal, which is obviously yes. massive for them. Brilliant player, brilliant. Obviously, started to show it for England as well. Um, yeah, brilliant player. And, and Saints will be happy to have signed him up for a long time. I'll be dead honest. I think I've got an apology to make to uh, Saints fans and uh, Tommy Freeman um, himself. When he first came through and everyone was going nuts, I thought we've got 100 wingers right now who are coming through and are playing to this standard and look good. But there's no like, there wasn't like a rad wham pop for me where he just played like 10 times better than anyone else on the pitch. Since sort of saying that and of being of that opinion, he is sore. And I, yeah, I think I just completely overlooked him to start with. But I think he is absolutely mint now. And probably in the next couple of years, going to be one of the starting regular wingers for, for England, I expect. Yeah, I think for me, it's a bit of a shame. He's been, in the media at least, completely overshadowed by um, Arundel. But for me, he's done so much more to deserve all the praise. Like Arundel's barely actually played that much first team rugby, whereas Freeman's did it all last season for Northampton in a very exciting backline where they had a lot of options. Freeman slotted in and he, he's got a versatility, he can play fullback, obviously Arundel cover as well, but can play fullback and play wing. And he, yeah, he just looks like a really good option and really stepped up for in that Australia game, uh, in those Australia games, really stepped up when a lot of the other players were quite crap. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Man. And at the age of 21 as well, he's only going to keep growing, isn't he? So uh, hopefully he can have a um, an injury-free sort of career as much as possible. Because um, I think he's, he, well, the, the way he's going, he's going to be a fantastic uh, asset for not only um, for Northampton, but for, for England as well, I think. Yeah, really, really good. Um, Northampton as well, they, they've just re-signed uh, Emmanuel Leogan as well, haven't they? Um, also 21. I believe he's got quite a crazy backstory, doesn't he? I think he was... Did he come through as a hooker and then go to back row and now ended up as a prop? I don't actually know. I know he's got a decent prop, but I, I don't really know much. Yeah. Just, uh, prop's not my um, speciality. No, I'm pretty sure that he came through at least as a flank. He definitely came through as a flanker, I believe. And then one of the coaches said, like, with your your frame, your power, everything like that, you'll be a good uh, prop. And then I think he did, and he started propping, and now that's, that's where he stays. But at 21, they're two exceptional young talents um, to keep around the squad. Uh, obviously, if you're, if you're a back Norse like well, Yeah, it's, an, it's a very exciting young Northampton team. Yeah. yeah. It's a very... Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, all, all together, as I think you were about to say, all, all together, it's a, it's a young team, isn't it? Yes, yeah, young, exciting, fast team. Brilliant to watch. Um, and that might be seen in my uh, where I put them in for pred predictions. But um, I'll tell you what they might need if they want a, an even younger, even quicker, more attractive young team. Maybe a, a young fly half coming in from Worcester. Yeah, maybe. Um, Smith on the cards, maybe, as reported this week. Well, I think the, the question mark is whether, with all the stuff that's happening in Worcester, whether it's this season or next, to be honest. Yes, that's that's the main thing. I heard about this a long time ago, um, that Northampton have been on the radar of Finn Smith. Um, or on the other way around, so Finn Smith's been on the radar of Northampton. One thing, I don't know if you know this, James, that blew my mind, is even though Finn Smith was very much the starting 10 for last season and played a lot of games the season before, um, he's still on an academy contract. Which means, I believe, and I don't know all of the politics behind it, 
but I'm pretty sure if someone's on an academy contract, you can come in and just offer them a senior contract as an external club, which they can then go and take. So I think if there was a senior contract on the table from Northampton, they will be able to just poach Finn Smith, regardless of what happens at Worcester. Um, and I know it seems a little bit cruel to be sort of playing the vultures around that Worcester side at the moment, and that's that's not really the intentions of what we're trying to do. Um, but Finn Smith to, to Northampton Saints could be a great move for both Finn and Northampton, I think, because uh, uh, the, the rumours are that Bigger's not going to renew his contract at the end of the year as well. So could be a great start to, to come through and keep playing now. Well, um, I was going to say, if Bigger could stay for a couple of years, that might, because then you get spin, Finn Smith, spin? Finn Smith sitting there behind Bigger for a couple of years, learning all the tricks of the trade, getting a bit more experience. Um, and he's still young enough that he can really do that, stepping in, obviously, when uh, when Bigger's off with Wales. And then and then really in a couple of years' time, but obviously if you're saying Bigger's off, um, it's not really going to work that way. But yeah, he is a really good player. Um, obviously, you're going to move looking on to Worcester now um, and their financial problems look, well, they don't look seem to be sorted at all, really. Um, and we're looking, they've got major problems. Um, so from my understanding... They've, they're not going to get paid or they weren't paid um, today, I think. They were meant to be paid. Um, and from my understanding, what I've, I've, I've did a bit of research, they are meant to, they've got a 14-day period now um, to be paid or something like that. And if they're not paid, then it's another 14 days appeal. So it's effectively 28 days. And as soon as that 28 days is up, the, those players can leave, any player can leave on a free because their contract's been terminated. But I do know that the uh, the Players Association or whatever they're called, PF, P, not PFA because that's football, but I don't know, um, are looking at, at sorting this out so that the players can leave pretty much immediately that they weren't paid. So, And I believe they were meant to be paid today. Yeah, so there's a lot of conflicting reports. Worth noting that um, we are recording this on the 31st. So yeah. um, when, we, when we refer to today, it's the 31st. Um, yeah, so I think... I think, yeah, there's basically been a load of conflicting reports. Um, Marcello, who we've had on the podcast, um, has been just covering it brilliantly. Um, he's reported that players didn't get paid today. However, there have been other sources who have said um, they have been. So, honestly, who knows at the moment? But, yeah, you, from, from what I've heard, James, exactly the same as what you've heard. Um, I think today was significant because if they didn't get paid, they could then start negotiating with clubs. And then yeah. once that window is then over then they can actually sign seal deliver the um the but yeah i think um i think the yeah obviously the players reps basically who are the people trying to get involved we're obviously looking at this and they don't want this 28 day, day period because um i think it's 14 days that they have to allow you to be paid then 14 days to for worcester to appeal or something like that um and obviously that's going into the season so they don't want these players not getting oh wow, it's a month's pay as well and and b they don't want them not playing going into the first few weeks of the season yeah completely agree it's, it's going to be a it's going to be a mental thing i don't know if you saw the um the statement from steve diamond today saying that they've pulled out of their pre-season friendly against glasgow um on friday um because essentially he's, he i think he worded it very well and I, I don't have the quote here but he said something along the lines of um players aren't going to be expected to play when they don't know if they're going to be in contract if, if they're going to risk themselves to injury and then not have a job next week. Well, imagine you, you do your ACL or something, and then next week you, you're out of a club. Do you know what I mean? You, you've lost all of your money uh, income there, and you, you're going to be in a 
a pretty serious spot, aren't you? So it's not looking great at the moment. Um, there have been glimmers of hope, but yes, yeah, it really is up in the air at the moment. Yeah, I think it is. Um, but yeah, the, I think the two major ones, um, so Haverhill, um, has, uh, it's quite big rumours that he's he's been in contact with uh, a team from the top 14. It's not being confirmed which, but a team. And I think uh, Rassin have been in contact with uh, Van der Merwe, the rumours. Yeah. Uh, so those are the two big names which have, have been tapped up, uh, 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 like they're rumoured to be leaving already. Yeah, I think it's sad, isn't it? Because I don't think it's those... It's not going to be easy for those players. However, those sort of players, so you're looking at internationals or, or top-level players, Ted Hill is probably going to be another one. Ollie Lawrence, I expect, will be of the, the same suit. Um, they're going to have opportunities to go to clubs overseas, um, clubs with any sort of... Uh, cap room are going to go for those sort of players because they'll bring an immediate impact. However, I think um, I can't remember who I, who I heard it from, but essentially someone said, uh, I think it was Dean Ryan actually talking on it, um, obviously the, the Dragons head coach now. He said, um, players aren't going to have the money for a third string second row or, or, or a fourth string eight or something like that to come in as cover anymore. But the cap's so tight that they're not going to be able to make those moves and accommodate for these players to come in. So if you're not one of the, the top, top, top names of that Worcester side, you could be in a little bit of trouble. And I know it's horrible to say that, and I, I really do hope there's a way around it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not nice reading at the moment, is it? No, and, and it makes sense. Most of these teams have had, I've got a salary cap for this season, going in, what are we, two weeks out from the season now? And and going into it, they're expecting, the, right, this is our group of players. So most of them have, gone to the salary cap so yeah they're going to struggle um I, I, i'm pretty sure you said a couple of weeks ago that they may the league may look at making some of these players so they can be brought in as an exemption to the salary cap was that something that you told me about yeah i think that was i think that was sort of uh put forward to all of the premiership clubs but i think they were very clear on that needing to be a majority of all of the premiership clubs would have to vote yes on that um, obviously, the, the issues coming from that is if you're a, a Saracens or a Bristol who've got plenty of cap room, you could go out and you could sign Ollie Lawrence, Duane van der Merwe, Ted Hill, all of these big names um, and better your side. And then if you're someone like a Newcastle or, um, yeah, if, if you're one of those clubs who don't quite have the money, maybe a Bath um, at the moment, you, you're not going to be able to, to bring in these players, are you? So it might just cause a little bit of a, um, an unbalanced premiership table and this close to the window it could be a uh very interesting um to say the least well yeah and and you're looking at it and and but did you say i'm pretty sure you said to me it was reported and rumored that some of these players um that the, if you bring in these players they may be a bit of a cost exempt was that what you were just saying sorry my internet kicked. yeah so so essentially if you bought in these players they wouldn't contribute to your salary cap um however the obviously the, the debate around it would be if, if the salary cap doesn't matter, then people, the clubs with more money, like Bristol and Saracens, can then just buy them. Um, whereas your Falcons wouldn't, even if they're not spending up to the cap, which apparently a few of these, the clubs in the league aren't at the moment, um, you, you won't be able to spend anything over it because you can't even afford to spend up to the cap, let alone put a 500 grand down on a Duan van der Merwe for a season, you know? Yeah, sorry, my internet cut out. So um, I was trying to guess what you said. Uh, <laughs> no worries, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's the point, isn't it? When you look at it, um, uh, all these teams, or most of these teams, you said some of them, haven't, but most of them have gone to the cap because you've got two weeks 
to the season. They, yeah. they, they, and it's so tight that a lot of teams are struggling to get under the cap. So, um, yeah. But so we hope, hopefully it will all get sorted, but it's closer to the club. And also, even if it does get sorted, the closer to the season we get, the more it kind of makes Leicester's, especially, the, uh, sorry, not Leicester, Worcester, especially the start of their season, look more and more doomed, really. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And it's, I think that's, you make a good point there. Even if things do come good and everything goes goes so they can play in the season as planned, um, what happens when when they start playing? They, they wouldn't have had the same prep that all of the other teams have had. would have had all the uncertainty. Um, it might be a pretty tough season for them, even if they do stay afloat. So, yeah, an interesting one to keep an eye on anyways. Yeah, I agree. Um, right. Let's try and move on to happier things. We're going to look at our next teams who were slightly further up the table this week. So if you remember last week, um, I think we both agreed on Newcastle being bottom of our table, yep. Worcester being 12th, yep. uh, Bath in uh, 11th. Yep. And then, well, you said, uh, what did you have, 10th? I did had Bristol 10th. See, I had Wasps. So those are the two teams we spoke about last week. Yeah, um, I had Wasps ninth. You had Wasps ninth. Where my ninth, and I think the first team we're going to talk about today, I had um, Irish in ninth. Yeah. See, this is where um, we're a little bit different, aren't we? Um, I think Irish are going to have a good season. But let, tell, tell me why you think they're going to come ninth. I think, I think last season they had a really, really good season. And, um, and then they just struggled. And they still struggled and nearly bottled it. Um, and nearly didn't get Champions Cup rugby. Um, I think Champions Cup rugby could take its toll because I know you both you play European rugby either way, so it's not really a tiredness thing, but it is a step up. If you're playing the likes of Toulouse or Racing, I'm not sure who Irish have got in their group. Um, but if you're playing these top teams, it is a lot easier than going and playing Breve or Zebra. Um, so I think it will take their toll. And they've also lost Nick Phipps, who was a massive for them last season. Um, so taking some experience and to Asui, you've lost some experience there. I know they have brought in players, but um, yeah, I just I don't see them doing quite as well. Um, and I, really, it's other teams doing better. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I'm going to counter you with I think the business they've done for the most part is actually fantastic business. Um, Danilo Fischetti coming in from Zebra is the um, the 24 year old Italian prop. I think is great business um, to start with. I think. Ratuni Arawa coming in from Northampton, obviously the veteran lock, um, is also a great bit of business. Uh, bit old though, isn't he? 35 years old. Um, however, I think you bring a lot of experience into that pack and with the uh, the second row options they've got already, um, with Coleman, I believe, is still there. Um, and Simmons, I believe they're both staying this season. Yeah, I think they are. Um, so with those two in there, you've got masses of experience all through that second row and when you rotate in and out. Um, I can't pronounce his name for the life of me, um, but Soatala Faaso um, comes in as eight. We've done a little player spotlight on him. Looks unbelievable. Um, proper ball carrier. I think he's literally about nine kilos heavier than what Tuasui is, so they've gone bigger on that on that front. Um, I agree with you that Phipps is going to be a big loss. I think he was fantastic last year. I think he played all every game but two at the end of the season. Um, 
and then the other one to report on the, the bigger one to report on is uh Luca Marisi who I think's been uh, a quietly brilliant player for Italy over the last couple of years um so bringing him in in the center is a is a good bit of business as well um yeah. I think they're going to be okay I think they're a really really strong side and the, the way their youngsters are coming through as well are yeah I think they're going to be just fine. You think of it this way: we didn't even know that Will Joseph or Henry Arundel were that good last year. So the fact that they're coming through and um, yeah, they're, they're going to be playing more. Everything's going to be exciting. Hassel Collins, Arundel, Will Joseph, Luca Marisi, oh, team. Yeah, I think the thing for Nick Fix, which also stood out, was his chemistry with um, Paddy Jackson seemed really, really good. Um, yeah. Did you know that Paddy Jackson played every game of last season? Irish. Every game. Also, another thing, Augustine Creevy can't be as good this season as he was last season, I don't think. I don't think it's physically possible. He's a machine. Yeah, but like he'll he'll still be very good, I'd imagine. But do you know what I mean? He he can't be as good. No, fair. Fair, fair, fair. It is it's a big boots, his own boots are big boots to fill. <laughs> yeah, and Sean O'Brien's another one. I know he didn't play too much, but when he did feature, he was very good for them. Yeah, no, I agree. You got you got two big um two big eights lost there, haven't you? Yeah. Um so anyway, that's Irish. Where did you have them, sorry? So I've got Irish seventh. You got them seventh, so you got them a bit higher than me completely. A couple of spots um, above you, yeah. So you've got Irish ninth, did you say? I've so? got Irish ninth and then okay. Bristol. I've got Bristol sneaking. Obviously, spoke. Did we speak about Bristol last week? I think we did. So we touched on them a bit, yeah. I had them in tenth. Um and we spoke about how when their players go to international time um, is yeah. where they could struggle. I think one of the big things for them is keeping... I'm not sure if we touched on this last week, actually, but I think one of the big things for them is keeping semi-fit. I think if you've got semi-fully pumping in the uh, in the 13 channel, um, I think you're, you're firing, aren't you? I think I, I looked at some stats with him. I think it was when Semi-Rodrada plays for Bristol... They win, I think it was 73% of their games. That could be could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. I think it was 73% of their games. And when they when he's not playing, they win about 40 something percent of it. Um so it's quite a difference there with with the way um they play with and without Rodrada. Um and yeah, he's he's a world-class player on his day, isn't he? So if he re- recovers a bit of form, then I think uh, Bristol could be in for a a different season. But I've, I've got him in tenth just based on the way that uh, other people are performing. Um, yeah. I've got, so I've got them in eighth, looking at mine. And for me, it's just, it's just sheedy last year. I've never seen a player drop off, I think, fr- so much from a from the season before. Sheedy was awful. And I'm looking at it, AJ McGinty, I think it will bring in so much quality um, that it will boost them. And they have got like a, a sneakily good squad without their internationals. Like they, they, last season they had lost a lot of internationals obviously throughout the year and they had a lot of injuries and they still had a lot of like players like Dan Thomas, Fitz Harzin, all very, very good players. Um, Andy Uren, I'm not even sure if he's still there, but um, <laughs> all really good players who are who can play when the internationals are gone. Yeah, I th- they, they do have a, a great squad and I think. For me, it's going to be, it's just key areas, I think. It's the key areas that, that need to be um, just drilled down on. I, I was sort of thinking about this the other day as well. Do you think having AJ and um, AJ and Sheedy both battling for the same shirt is a good thing or a bad thing? Um, 
because immediately I thought it was a good thing. However, now I think because they're two different style players who are both, I don't want to say like Mavericks as such, but they're both front men, you know, they want to be the starting 10. I think with the distinct, with the difference in styles, it might be a little bit of a contradiction going from one game to the next. However, that being said, you can swap your game plan around, can't you? Maybe that's what they need to do, adapt it a little bit. Yeah, um, I I don't know. Really, the thing for me is, um, why? Because with, um, yeah, with Tiff Eden, who they've let go, um, you had a very good, well, not very, I wouldn't say very good in, in, in context of the, the tens in the league, but he, he was a very, uh, he was a good um, replacement ten. Yeah, he's a sturdy backup, wasn't he, for sure? Yeah, he's a good backup. And then now you've got effectively two starters on your books, which is surely costing you a lot of money when that money could then be dispersed throughout the squad and you could bring in probably two other good, higher quality players and in, in spread it around your squad. Yes, obviously, they've probably got the best backup in the league in um, Sheedy. Well, this but is another know, thing. We don't even know that McGinty's going to be the starting ten. He's got to be. You don't bring in. Be. You don't bring in a player like that on the money he's going to be on, and then not play him, especially with the season Sheedy just had. Yeah, but I can't imagine Sheedy's on like peanuts. No, I know, but why would you? What I wouldn't understand. You can't bring in a player like McGinty to put him on the bench. It doesn't make sense. I fully think they've bought McGinty in so they can just rotate tens, and when they're playing front football. I think they'll have um, Sheedy because I think he, on front foot, I think he's a great just dictator. And then I think when they're struggling in games or when they're going to be up against it a little bit more and need those flashes of magic, that's when you're going to have AJ come in. But they struggle. Oh, sorry. Who do you start on Friday, next Friday against? Oh, McGinty. But you know I'm a massive McGinty fan. Um... This is true. You do have loads of posters in your room. <laughs> no, but I have a big McGinty fan, and I'm not that hot on on Sheedy. So for me, McGinty all day, um, unless maybe they've not really found a solution to twelve since Pietau went. Could they play a ten twelve axis? See now, very interesting point. I pushed this forward to a few people, and they said no. Um, I don't think so either. It was just a question. <laughs> however, have you seen who they're planning to start twelve this year? No, I haven't. Owen Lloyd? Owen Lloyd? How have you said his first name? And no, I, I apparently he's going to be the starting 12. So he's fantastic. Yeah, he's got great feet, don't get me wrong. However, he's not going to be a big, like, bulky ball carrier, is he, through the middle? Yeah, so, but I guess Semi's doing that. Yeah, but I think you just you lose the best of Semi then, personally. But that's not me saying I don't like Lloyd at 12, because I actually think Lloyd could be a very... He, do you know what I mean? I think he's tough to line up. I mean, you can't. It's not a, 12. a bulky twelve. You know, you you you're flying out and you're hitting someone, aren't you? You, you don't know that with Lloyd. You, you don't know whether he's going to go around, whether he's going to juke in between you, whether he's going to hit half a gap. You, you I don't think, know what you're getting. No, I think you saw the best of him last season and every season when he's played a wing, sometimes fullback. I think that's when you've seen the best of him. Um, I think twelve, he'll struggle just brute size. Like if he comes up against an Esther Hazen, Esther Hazen will just manhandle him. Yeah, no, you will. You're, you're right. I, I agree. And maybe that is where you'll see Semi come through the middle a bit more um, rather than around the, around the outside instead. Yeah. Anyway, we weren't even meant to be talking about Bristol. But yeah. there we go. After Bristol, Bristol, you've got double bubble there. You're welcome. Uh, um, seventh. Uh, who have you got in eighth? Sorry, so I've got Exeter in eighth. 
Um, a little right. bit of a debate. Um, I don't think, I think they're one of the sides this year who haven't improved. Um, I think a lot of sides haven't improved this year. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I, I'd probably say the same, but even like Sale, when you look at their whole team, where they haven't improved as such, they've brought in big names like a Johnny Hill or a George Ford. Um, same with Leicester. I don't think they've necessarily improved, but Andre Pollard was a big, a big signing to bring in. So I don't think Exeter have really done that. Um, Scott Sear was a great signing, to be fair. Yeah, he's, he's a fairly recent one, isn't he? And I think he is a he is a great move. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know because I don't know. I, I'm just going to look at their I'm looking at their signings right now, and they've got a South African from Sharks, 24 year old lock. Um, they've got a 23 year old Irish guy from Leinster, another lock. A South African back rower from the Cheetahs, 28 um, South, uh, South African back row. A centre from Leinster, an Irish centre, and a uh, Tonga, um, yeah, winger. Yeah, that's Solomon Carter. Is Carter, the yeah, winger's name, isn't he? He looks very good. Um, um, so I don't know a lot about any of those players, but they could all be brilliant. They're all good ages, I think, um, and good rugby nations come from good clubs. So, well, maybe we'll see. Um, obviously, a lot of a lot of the people you just mentioned there were forwards. Um, yeah, maybe what we'll see is Exeter just go back to. To style and really just get a, a massive meaty pack again and just try and grind teams down through that way and then maybe we'll, we'll see them fly back to the top um they're, they're one of the sides where they could come 10th they could come second do you know what i mean i really can't call where they're going to come but i think eighth middle of the middle of the pack um ish not really but um yeah i think they're going to be i think they're going to be steady don't get me wrong but they could definitely climb up um yeah so we will yeah i've got them i've got them seventh um, I think they'll do slightly better. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, I think the rule changes affected them the most. Yeah, massively. And also I think the big one they'll miss, well, they'll miss obviously Johnny Hill, massive. Um, Don Armand, another big one, um, Sam Skinner. But the big one that I think it will kind of go under the radar is Tom O'Flaherty. I think he's been brilliant there for a good few years. Um, and it's really an extra back one that doesn't create too much magic um i think he was one that he, he created a lot for himself whereas i think a lot of extra they grind down the middle so much and then they just put it wide whereas he he had that bit of spark about him um which i think sale will love but yeah um, i agree and just can i just add one more thing on extra i know i've been rambling quite a lot tonight but one more thing on extra before we move on um i think a lot of players just individual players underperformed or didn't have 100 percent seasons like we're used to um, I think when you look at the back line of Exeter, when you look at Simmons in 10, I think when he's on form, he's one of the best 10s in the league once he's once he's on his top of his game. Um, you then look at Slade, obviously international class, when he's when he's about at Exeter, he, he's, a, he's a world-class 13. Injured a lot Hogg, last year, wasn't he? That's it, yeah, away with England a lot too. Um, Stuart Hogg, obviously, uh, doesn't need any introduction. Jack Knoll hopefully can stay fit for a season. That'll be a, a big boost. I really like Hendrickson as well. Um, really big, bulky um, centre who can cause a lot of damage. Um, and then, obviously, Devoto as well. Wouldn't you see these players on top form, which, unfortunately, they weren't all the time last season? That can really, like without even bringing in new players, just seeing those on, on the top of their game, that could be, a, be the difference maker for them. Yeah, and also another one you didn't even mention, Sam Simmons. That's exactly um, it, yeah, yeah, Sam Simmons as well. 
so much of last year injured and what the year before scored 18 tries something like that I don't I don't know how many he got last year but it was nowhere near that um so that was a massive miss for them um obviously out injured a lot and also you say about hog I don't think you've I think he's been a bit of a letdown really in his time at Exeter you've never seen him go like a, a, a period of game like I'll go on a run where you've seen what he can do, where which we all know he can do, obviously, for Scotland, and he's shown it. But you've never seen that for Exeter, I don't think. No, no, I'd probably agree with that. He's, he's definitely not had his, his Scotland form, has he? Some some players are just genuinely better in international games. Um, you do see it, but I think he, he's more a case of... Um, I think they might need to play to his strengths a little bit more. He's, yeah, he's, think... it, it feels like he's got a lot of free reign at Scotland, you know, but less so at Exeter. And I think that's the way they play, isn't it? Yeah, they're just, just very structured, I think. And that benefits the pack, but not always the back line. No. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and you you watch in recent years who scored all the tries. The big try scorers when Exeter had their pump, Sam Simmons, Thomas Waldrum, who used to uh, get all the tries for them. And and so you can see they don't, they're not a team that throws on the back line. So, um, yeah, and obviously there were rumours Hogg was going to go, but he's staying. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can see the best of him because yeah, I really believe in the Premiership so far. We've not seen anywhere near the best of him, and I, I think that's shown in tries. You, he hasn't scored that many tries, really. No, he, he has kicked a couple of monster spirals though, and that's what the what the purists are here to see. I'm sure it is. <laughs> that's what I'm here to see. <laughs> uh, next team, I think we're going to go to Sale. So is this is this sixth spot? Is it? Um, it's your sixth spot, isn't it? Yeah, I I've got sale in sixth. Um, I've got sale in fifth. But um, in the reason I've gone for sale in sixth, I think they've got a very good team. However, with the injuries, and I know we, we say it all the time. Um, oh, sorry, I actually had Irish in seventh. By the way, I didn't mention that. Um, I had Irish in seventh. I know, I know, we spoke about that not so long ago. So yeah, Irish in seventh. But sale. Um, They've got a lot of fantastic players. Obviously, we know Ford is going to be out until the best part of January, February of, of the new year. Um, obviously, a big loss, especially with AJ going the other way. Um, to Alangi, if he can stay fit, if he can keep pumping, then you're going to be a great. Uh, it's going to be a great twelve. They've lost a few of their South Africans. Um, interesting one for me is Fafta Clerk going. Uh, it'd be really great to see Rafi Quirk um, step up and really perform because I think he's he's a fantastic nine and he's, he's really got he's just got it for a nine you know he's got exactly what you are what you would need so yeah looking forward to seeing um Rafi through that nine shirt they, they've got the talent there it's just keeping them fit and keeping them working together and I think they've probably got one of the better DORs in the league as well yeah definitely one of the younger ones as well um for me, I've got them in fifth, just missing out on fourth. I think they'll be better than last season because, really, till Christmas last season, they were crap. Um, but the reason I don't have them top four uh, is mostly because, yeah, as you said, George Ford's injured. And um, last year, when AJ McGinty was injured, they looked dysfunctional. They didn't look like a great team at all. Um, and then when he was put back in, they were much more fluent, looked a great team. So I think without George Ford, they could really struggle till Christmas. But then I think they'll come on strong. Um, as you said, obviously missing Faf, but then he didn't play a lot last season. So I think they missed um, the Dupree. Uh, is it John Luke that's gone? Uh, I think I can so. tell you. One of them's gone, haven't they? I think it's John Luke. 
Um, I will double check now. Um, but they, they, all of them, especially John, Luke, and Dan, were brilliant. Um, Fantastic, or, and have been brilliant the whole time they've been there. So losing one of them, I think, is probably the, and obviously you lose Dejaga at the same time, it, it is going to be a big miss. And JP um, Dupree as well. Obviously, that guy who was about eight foot tall in the second row. Uh, yeah. Is is John Luke or JP? Which one did they lose? So JP is definitely gone. Um, I know he's definitely gone. gone. He's John uh, Luke is still there, so it's all good. Yeah. Um, one of the players that we mentioned a couple of second rows going. Obviously, Johnny Hill's come in. They've also signed a a player called um, I think it's Alex Groves from Bristol. Um, I think eighteen years old. Um, really good player. Proper old school type block. Um. Just a big bulky ball carrier who just goes about his business and, and hits those rucks, carries hard and yeah, real real interesting talent to, to look out for. Um, so hopefully he gets a few minutes this year because I think if he does, he can prove what an asset he can be. Yeah, um, and yeah, as I was saying, I I think they'll be a good team. Obviously, they've also signed Jason Woodward um, recently from Gloucester as a fullback. Yeah, interesting shout. Uh, didn't they sign Joe Simpson as well from Gloucester? Yeah, they have signed Joe Simpson. Um, and we just said about Tom O'Flaherty. But I think that Jason Woodward's an interesting one because they don't really have a fullback, not a standout one anyway. Um, and Jason Woodward has shown in his time in the Prem he's a very good fullback if he can stay healthy, um, which seems to be a running theme with this this um, with this sale team. And, and the problem is for them, the evidence, as you would say with Tumalangi, you said if he stays fit, the thing is he can't stay fit. I think that's what frustrated Gloucester fans with Jason Woodward. He can't stay. He can't seem to stay fit, um, and I think they may have too many of those players in their team at the moment. Um, unfortunately, because it's all right. You could have the best team in the world, but if they can only play twice a year, what's the point? I have a I have a theory that someone at Sales got some magic beans or something like that, which keeps players fit. So they've just got all of the injury prone players that that have gone a little bit out of favour, giving them these magic beans, and they're just going to absolutely smash it this year. What's been happening to Tulangi the last couple of years? Well, that's what I mean. They've got them this year. Ah, they've, right. They've just, so, they've just acquired them. Still predicted them seventh, huh? Sixth. Thank you very much, James. Oh, sixth. Sorry, sixth. Sixth. Thank you. Don't be putting. Well, everyone fit. Just missing out on the playoffs because I think I think the playoff teams are a bit stronger. Um, but moving on to the most controversial one, who most most people wouldn't expect to be in this episode of our middle teams. I don't even uh, want to say. It. I don't even want to say it. I feel sick. Well, it's, it's it's only in here. I'd like to put. I've got Leicester, and Leicester is the team we're about to talk about. I've got Leicester in my top four because I'm not an idiot. Um, but Will, oh, oh, oh. there's no need for that, is there? Will has got his Leicester. Say, where are Leicester for you? Yeah, I got him fifth. Um, fifth. But, yeah. Oh, I don't know why, Jane. Now I'm saying it, it sounds ridiculous. Um, yeah, but you did it. They've lost integral parts of their team. Um, George Ford's obviously been huge. Um, was just integral to all of the good stuff they did last year. I think if they didn't have the spiral bomb game that they had last year causing disruptions, they would have struggled a, a, a heap load more. Um, I think Ellis Genge, you, you've not only lost a fantastic uh, prop there, you've lost a great leader, probably one of the, the leaders that brought them well, to be right to Yeah, that's it. You've lost, you've lost your captain there. It's, it's a massive... Um, lost that alone. I think Moroni going's a, a bigger loss than some people are thinking. Um, you've, don't get me wrong, you've got phenomenal players there. You, you've got your Freddie Stewart, who is still fantastic. Your Ben Youngs, who's who's still consistent as the days long with 
uh, Van Portfleet coming through. You've, you've got Montoya going, coming up. You've got Nick Dolly as your backup hooker, which is just ridiculous, really, with the quality that he's got. Um, you've got a fantastic side there, don't get me wrong. I think what when you look at results last year, Leicester didn't piss through teams 50-0 every week. They, a lot of the games they won by a couple of points when they went on their unbeaten streak. The, the game against Sarri's plate comes to mind, especially with the, the Dan Kelly incident at the end of the game. They weren't, they, don't get me wrong, they were obviously fantastic to be where they were. However, they weren't, they weren't blowing away teams every week. Um, and I think now they've lost those players. It, essentially, in my mind, those players that have gone were the, the main different maker, difference makers in the side. And now they're gone. Is that that marginal difference going to still be there? I don't think Pollard's going to be... I don't think he's going to walk in and just blow away the team. Um, I think Freddie Burns will probably be a starting 10. Um, obviously fantastic again last season. Um, I don't think he's quite at George Ford level. Um, not saying that he's not a great 10, but you're also sw switching the game plan a lot there. If he's going to be your, your starting 10, you're playing a bit more of a fluid system, aren't you, rather than just a, a Ford kick and chase. Um, yeah, I just think there's a lot of change going on at the club and, um, yeah, it could be a, an interesting season for them. But don't get me wrong, I also want to say I could very much see them finishing first. And No, and you can't You can't say that. You've put them sixth, fifth. Shut up. You yeah. can't have it all. I think my reasoning is is valid, at least. No, I think your reasoning is valid, which is why um, I, I'll say where I've got them in fourth, but I still think they'll make top four. I think they are weaker. Um, uh, but I think, for me, I was looking at it, Pollard, is Pollard injured? Did you? Yeah, so he's picked up a, is it a knee injury, and he's out for at least six weeks. I saw six weeks to three months, but I don't know how accurate that is. I know he's been released by the box to go back to... Um, uh, to Leicester, so at least he yeah. started with the team stuff a little bit early. Yeah, um, but I think for me, that injury doesn't really matter because if he'd been with the box, he'd be with them till the end of September with the rugby championship um, and then back maybe at Leicester for a week or two and then off uh, for the Autumn Internationals. So you wouldn't have been there anyway. Um, so I'm not really that bothered about the injury. Um, but I think for me, Freddie Burns showed last season when he stepped in um, how good he could be when Ford was away or injured. Um, so for me, I think Freddie Burns stepping in um, won't be too big an issue. Whether teams will now change their game plan because they know Burns will play, maybe, and maybe that will find Burns out a bit. Yeah, because if teams get onto that, then they might um, be able to find it out Burns a bit. But I think for me, they've kept enough of that core squad there um, that they'll be strong enough um, overall. Um May, the only point I worry about is um, when you look at Jasper Visa's off, obviously with South Africa's at the moment, so you might miss a while um, on top of all those players already missing. But I think you've got a good, you look at Freddie Stewart and all that like um, lot there, got a very good backline, very good pack. And nobody would have said last season they were going to do what they were going to do. Um, so and and through several points of the season, people were like, "Oh, they've got to lose this week. They've got to lose this week," and they kept winning. So for me, I think they're too good a team, and um, Borthwick's done too good a job for this team to suddenly fall apart like that. I still think they'll get top four. Yeah, I think that's very fair, and I think that's probably what I believe deep down as well. Um, I just think that, yeah, as as, as the points I mentioned, basically. Um, they're going to be an interesting one to watch anyway, aren't they? So don't get me wrong. Even though I put them in fifth, that's still a good, like, do you know what I mean? I haven't put them like bottom. 
Yeah, I know, but going from champions to to not in the top four is quite a big. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. But I'm going to stick with my guns. I'm going to stick with my guns. I'm going to commit. Affairs, and we'll find out the top four. Well, you already know one of my top four. Uh, but Will's top four um, next week. Well, you know the clubs that are going to be in there now, or at least you can work them out. Um, but yeah. the order and stuff is what's going to be up for debate. So, yeah, tune in for next week's episode to, to jump into a, a bit of that. Yeah. Now, we would normally do predictions now, but obviously there's no games. Um, to predict. So uh, I stole a bit of um, stuff off Robby Joe. Shout out to Robby Joe. Um, where they basically put out a load of thing and said, what laws or uh, rules would you want to be put into the game? I know they're laws, they're not rules. Um, and these were some of the suggested ones. Um, so I'm just going to read them out to Will and see what he says, basically. Yep, sounds good. Um, so this uh, first one says, a black card. If the red card rules are getting softer, add a card for something cynical. So basically a, a black card would be something cynical. Okay, what are we what are we defining as cynical? Are we are we talking about like I guess kicking the ball away, um, little slap out of the hands, deliberate knock ons. Maybe, maybe the fact the clerk slap. We need to. We haven't spoken about that. Should we speak about that quick? What oh, was that? I don't even want to speak about it. Disgusting. Nick White. Oh yeah. Anyway, it's a good job that uh, Nick White's jaw's still on. To be honest. Yeah, I know. He's lucky. He's lucky. He's a lucky boy. The lucky boy, all of this HIA stuff. Um, I know. But yeah, I did see something that he was very close to his eye, which is a fair point. He could have poked him in the eye, which could have... Well, actually, I, saw something I know we'll joke, it, but... And I said, it was probably, yeah, fair enough that it's a yellow card, because um, he has hit him in the face, like, fair enough. But if it's, it's so bad... Well, if it's so bad that it's knocked him off his feet and he's on wobbly feet, then surely Nick White's got to go off for HIA. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point, yeah. Go make sure. Anyway, black card for cynical stuff. I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I quite like it. Um, it depends on what the um. Yeah, it hasn't said what the punishment would be for a black yeah, card. Yeah, the punishment would be the main thing. I think whether it would be like a because I think there's quite a range of cynical stuff, you know. Um, yeah, but at the same time, I don't mind the idea. But I think a yellow card is probably fair. Yeah, maybe a black card's five minutes in the bin. I don't know. Yeah, but it depends though, because I think some cynical stuff is probably worse than a standard yellow. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you're looking at like a 15-minute card. Oh, I quite like this one. So next one. If you're in your own half, you can do a normal kick. And if it goes over the points, you get a uh, post, you get three points. If you're inside your half. Yeah. And you kick it over the posts. So just literally kick from the hands. Kick from hand over yeah. the post, three points. No, I don't like it. I feel like that would be too easy for some players. That is the thing. You, and also, it would just... You have someone like Stuart Hogg where... But then, I guess, it would kind of prevent less kicking, almost, because you couldn't just kick in the open field to the fullback, because if they're on the halfway line, they, and they, they might have a shot of three points. True. You, you are right. But I just feel like... That's, we, we've seen people bang drop goals from the halfway, you know? Yeah, but not many, and not many would be accurate enough and confident enough in their own ability to kick from hand over the post, I don't think. If someone can kick for posts from their own 22, then that deserves three points, I think. <laughs> well, yeah, but nobody would ever do that. No, I reckon Hogg's got it in the locker, probably. No. Yeah, be re- it wouldn't be too long before some freakish number eight adapts and just gets his big flipping tree trunks out and just 
launches it the, the length, I think. You would be stuffed. Say you're on your from kickoff, you wouldn't be able to do box kicks anymore. No, that's very true, actually. Yeah, you do leave yourself quite exposed. Or at least you'd have to put a load of pressure on it. Yeah. Yeah. There'd be a lot uh, less aimless kicking, wouldn't there? Yeah. Um, yeah, it could make I don't know. It's it's one that it's it's kind of the same reasons to 50-22. It just rewards you a point, isn't it? I think I think if it's past the ten meter, yeah, maybe. Because I think um, it's too easy. Because we've seen people drop the drop goal it from there. Yeah. Um. Every team has one review, like a cricket. So they got like a captain's yeah. review almost. Yeah, happy with that. Definitely happy with that. But surely the TMO will check everything anyway. Well, you'd think so, but it doesn't always happen, does it? How many times have we said, "Oh, how was that not picked up by the TMO?" If you if you give a. Uh, a coach's decision or a captain's decision or something like that to go and have a look at it, then, yeah. yeah. It also stops aimless appealing. So I feel like a lot of people, not naming too many names, but you, you look at Dan Bigger over the course of last season, giving the refs a little bit of jip um, about missed stuff. They essentially, if they've got one captain's challenge, if they're that adamant that it's that, it's then the ball's in their court to, to try and have a look at it, you know? Yeah, and I guess if it's pointed out to the TMO, and also the TMO is only allowed to get involved in certain things, isn't there? So if there's a massive knock-on, um, also two questions. One, doesn't it slow the game down too much? And two, um, are, are you... if So in cricket, obviously, if you get a decision right, you keep your review. Would that be the same in rugby? If, if say, you said, oh, this player's knocked it on, it's the, like, and then they have knocked it on, do you keep your decision or do you lose it? Yeah, I think you'd keep it. Um, I think if you lost it anywhere, I think what that would do is promote teams to then just try and be as loose as possible and hope TMO doesn't pick it up. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I do agree, though. It does slow the game down a bit. Maybe, maybe we don't need that sort of level. Oh, this is an interesting one. If the kick from the 22 is caught on the full by an opposition, they get a scrum from where it was kicked. If it's caught on the full. Yeah. So if the ball goes out on the full, but someone catches no. it. No, no, no. Just if they it's caught, basically. Ah, oh, fuck that. Oh, mate, no, maybe it is caught on the full, but off the pitch. They get a if, scrum. If it's just caught on the full, <laughs> then it's just gonna be scrum city. Yeah, I know. You'd never be able to kick from your own 22. Exeter would score about a gazillion tries just from Sam Simmons picking off the base. Yeah. Um Maybe off the pit. I don't know. It just says it's caught on the full. Yeah, no. I think that's an interesting one. You'd see a lot if, if it was off the pitch on the full. You'd see a lot of um, a lot of like coaches just stood in the way. Yeah, and you see a lot of people diving into fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. I'm, I don't think I like that one. Um, do you want to do one more? I've got a couple, so I'll just do a couple more. Um, stop the clocks for scrums until the ball is played. Yeah, I think technically they should be doing that anyway, really. I'm, I'm, I think that's the one I'm in favour of most. Yeah, I think it's the one that makes the most sense. Um, just carry on. Well, it's like that one, what was it, France-Wales, where they had that 15-minute scrum or whatever it was a couple of years ago. It would just stop that sort of crap in the game. It, 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 no one likes to see scrums. Even the most purist doesn't want to see a scrum for 10 minutes, do they? No, no, you're absolutely right. I agree. Um, yeah. I'm going Quick line-outs need to be thrown straight. Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree. Yeah, because at the moment you can just lob them backwards, can't you? Yeah, I agree. Um, Actually, do I agree? No, I don't. No? 
No, I don't agree. Because I don't think anyone would do it. No, it would pretty much stop it happening. Yeah, I don't think anyone would do it. And I quite like a quick line-out. I'm always urging teams on to do a quick line-out. Absolutely yeah. stupid thing to do nine times out of ten. But I love it. Yeah, it has to be very specific, I think, for it to work. Um, yeah, agreed. And the last one, eight points for a converted try and two points for a penalty. Nah, forget about it. The, well, it, that one was actually, they rumoured about bring, the bringing it in. because nah, they forget wanted, about it. Don't like it. They wanted more people. Basically, it meant kicking to the corner was more um, appealing than going for points. Because they, they found, obviously, people want to see tries. Mate, I've, I've only just learned to count in sevens. I don't need to be be moving to eights now. Yeah, I, I mean, the thing is, I think enough teams now kick for the corner anyway. And because of the driving mall being as successful as it is, like Gloucester, um, how many times has they kicked to the corner this year? Oh, last year, sorry. Yeah, a couple. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I mean. Teams, are, I feel, like are kicking to the corner a bit more. Um. So I'm not sure it's really needed, but... No, I'm with you. I'm with you there. I'm with you. But that's it. That's my last one. Some interesting changes there, I think. I think the scrum one is definitely the one that I'm keen for most. Yeah. Out of all of them, I think it's the one that's most likely to happen as well. Yeah. No, I agree. That's going to be... Um... Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I think altogether, though, there was a decent pod. Um Top four coming next week, but most importantly, Premiership is back next week. So yeah. we are not far away now. We're on the final stretch. Um, keep your eyes peeled for our, our final top four. Um, we'll be putting a full team prediction uh, for myself, a full league prediction, sorry, for myself and James um, on our socials. Let us know what you think. Um, let me know why you agree Leicester might come fifth. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see you guys on the uh, on the next one on Premiership Rugby Week. Bye-bye.